And we're back with episode 8 of Don't Be Strangers. My name's Shin Yi, and this is a series of collaborative conversations that focuses on sharing and learning about alternative ways to create agency in your life while manifesting deeper connections with everyone you meet. So in the last few episodes, I mentioned that I would be going on an extended stay in Mexico for two and a half months. Well, I'm recording this on my very last week of my first leg of my trip to the beautiful city of Oaxaca. And this episode is extra special because the guest is the host of our little co-working nomad group here. This is the first time that I've ever joined a co-working nomad group and I could not have imagined a more empathetic, fun-loving, open-minded, and caring host as Joe. This experience definitely wouldn't have been the same without him and you're about to find out why. We covered topics such as one, the magic of journaling, how it's helped him capture experiences such that he can essentially time travel into his own memories, recognize patterns and behaviors, and overcome a breakup. Two, is anything truly frivolous or pointless? Three, FOMO, aka the fear of missing out, and how it plays into travel. Four, a memoir he's currently writing. And five, advice my future self would give me today. So, this is Joe. Well, thanks for having me. Um, My name is Joe Santini. I am from Denver, Colorado, and I'm currently a chapter host for Wi-Fi Tribe, which means I am kind of hopping all over the world and getting the opportunity to live and be in these spaces with really cool people such as yourself, Um, and I feel very privileged for that. What is Wi-Fi Tribe? Yes, little plug. (laughs) Wi-Fi Tribe is a traveling, co-living, co-working retreat. So that's that's how I describe it. I don't know if that's actually the company's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. one-liner. Um, but if you can do your job remotely, you can do it with us and go to really cool places. Where we are currently in Oaxaca, Mexico. Soon to be Playa del Carmen, both of us. Yes, yes. That was not planned completely. Yes. It was <laughs> it was for me, I was like, well, I'm already in Mexico. What's the other location? Yeah. Uh, in Mexico. <laughs> I was going to say that I've been describing this thing to people as like adult summer camp. I think that's actually a better way of describing it. Kind of in the vein of my introduction, previously to this, I was working at a social impact accelerator for nonprofit startups. And that like, that is a one-liner that like nobody really can comprehend. And I don't blame them either because that's so vague. So I feel like I really should just like distill it to like, this is adult summer camp. You just like have your job, but like come and hang out. And unlike children summer camp, you have your agency to be join in or not join in. Yeah. Is like you need to stay with the adult supervision. Yeah. <laughs> like, no preferences allowed. Were you a camp person? Did you ever go to camp? I, no, I only did like one camp experience, like through school. I think it was like fourth or fifth grade, and it was like cabin type thing. Oh, it was like outdoor education. Yeah, something like that. Mm. We probably did like two two or three days, yeah. like one or two nights. That's actually the extent of my camp experience too. And I talked about this in our intro chat, which is like the chat we all do when we first arrive at a location about how all I wanted to be was a camp counselor. And I feel like I'm living that like vicariously through this role. But it's weird because I never had like a camp experience. Like I, I never like went away for a summer, like went to the mountains. And I feel like so many people, especially from Colorado, did that. And I didn't so wait you grew up in Colorado yeah literally like born raised like went to school north of Denver grew up south of Denver so like just a front range baby (laughs) (laughs) 
right. Do you want to toss me the first question? Yes, I would love to ask you this question. Um, so some context on this question. The vast majority of the group was away this weekend. And unfortunately, you weren't there because you have your like your your weekends are planned. You have activities. I think you were in like classes, too, over this time. But the majority of the group went away this weekend to do like a hiking kind of camp like activity (laughs) and thank god we are in this boutique hotel instead of the bunkers that we were at this weekend but when we came home every single one of us found a lovely handwritten note on our doors from you and i thought it was just like one so cute and so special to just like have that like um to come home to and to have someone who like missed us and is like kind of taking you know, 20 people are in this hotel. That's a lot of time to write personalized notes. So I wanted to ask you, like, about that. And where, when, when did this idea pop in your head? When did you write these notes? And, like, what kind of sparked it all? Okay, so I don't really know when the idea popped in my head. But definitely when I was like, I think everyone will be out. This is the perfect opportunity to do this. Also because the way that it seems like departure will work, like it's like we have an hotel checkout on that Friday, but some people are staying, some people are leaving. So I feel like almost unlike actual summer camp where there is like a set departure date, you know like this is the time that we will do a group photo because everyone's gonna get on the bus or whatever and we're all gonna leave. This because this is my first time yeah. with Wi-Fi Tribe. It seems like it's gonna be a very disparate experience. Like we're it not gonna have a, we're not gonna have like a cut off like a goodbye party like a, on the last day. It will yeah. be like some people will be here, some people will be gone. Since everyone's gone and everyone's gonna come home at the same time <laughs> to this like weekend adventure, I was like, this is the perfect time to do something like this. Two, I feel like it's just very part of my personality to. Um, do handwritten things so I think it would actually be weirder if I didn't part of the thing I missed about having a roommate from like college was being able to leave notes for my roommate and stuff like that third when I was in like third or fourth grade I had this friend in elementary school and she introduced me to the idea of like pen pals and writing letters and we literally went to the same school but we wrote each other letters. We lived like a neighborhood apart and we actually mailed these letters. So we would hang out at school and also send each other letters to the point that I feel like it's so ingrained in my personality because I feel like writing is just a different way of processing your thoughts. 100%. Yeah, that I pretty regularly write to my husband, like letters to my husband, even though we also physically hang out and we also have text messages. I don't know, I feel like I really process my thoughts differently on paper. Yes. And handwritten notes are becoming like a dying art. Like nobody really gets letters anymore, like a handwritten letter from someone else. It's always junk mail and like advertising, you know? So you don't even look forward to it to the point that like if you do get a letter from a friend or something, this is like, what is this? Is this Christmas? Like (laughs) I literally in my journal, I anytime I receive something handwritten, like I just take out tape and I just tape it in my journal. And so like almost chronologues kind of what I receive too um, and your note is already in my journal oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to circle back to this topic because there's something exciting I'm adding to the podcast project oh, that is teaser. related yeah <laughs> that's related to like handwritten notes and stuff I feel like this is like the perfect segue because you've now mentioned that you journal and I feel like yes. it's like a very huge part of like your personality and like important to who you are. I would love to know what is like 
one or two of your most like moving experience you've had through journaling? Like something that you've realized, discovered? That's it's a wonderful question and a really tough question because be, like basically my writing practice is a practice and yes there's incredible inconsistencies and I don't get to it every day. I'm sure I've done it like once or twice this week and it's currently Thursday when we're recording this. So in a way like it's it's not as consistent as I would like, but it has been something I've done consistently for about like seven or eight years now. And so with that has come quite a lot of revelations. And so I would say like my answer to your question broadly is that it gives me an opportunity to like capture my experiences um, and like be able to like physically put myself back there after reading like a few sentences. It's crazy how your brain just kind of like keeps your neural networks like intact like that. Um, And then secondly, just like generalized anxiety management. If you're like discussing what's on your mind and you're like making yourself feel it, then you can kind of heal it. Um, And if you're noticing things bubble up consistently, then you know that's like, oh, that's something I actually need to tackle. Because I think our brains do a really poor job actually of like tracking our own, like let's say the word symptoms. Um, And so when you're actually like expelling it out on paper, and you're seeing things like reoccur, you realize like that's something I need to work on as opposed to your brain just like spiraling every single day. (laughs) And so that's my broad answer to this question. I think like an example of like a very transformative experience is I was going through quite a complicated breakup situation at the time. And we're literally like, as we're recording this podcast, we're like sitting on the note cards of um, like kind of me um, processing that breakup. But at one point, the breakup was so complex and interwoven with like all these different factors that I made a flow chart in my journal of like, if I break up with this person, this will happen, or this is what I will do. And it ultimately was taking a very rational process to something that was very like emotional and seemingly irrational. And that was something that one, I love going back to that part in my journal to like see how this played out. Um, and two kind of an interesting practice of like taking like a flow chart, which seems so boring and actually like quite like business schooly and not like what you would think of when you're like going through a breakup um, and <laughs> applying it to a situation that like could actually use some structure, I suppose. And so that's like an example of like something very weird in my journal that actually was quite transformative. No, I don't think that's weird at all. I feel like journals are the perfect place to process. It's really complex. Uh, multifaceted problems like this. Yeah. Yeah. So two <laughs> questions come out of this. Um, one of them is how often do you review your old journals? I want to say I will reread one once a year. And so over the pandemic, I actually reread all of them in quarantine, which was like really cool um, to just kind of like really experience the journey that I have been on the last seven years. But Prior to that, I will probably, like, in replacement of a book that I will, like, read before I fall asleep, I will take, like, a journal that enough time has passed that, like, I don't feel like 
it's unearthing anything or like it's tough to read and I will just kind of like relive where my brain was at like 22 or 23. <laughs> wow, that is so interesting. Okay, so the second question regarding that scenario with the flowchart and the breakup. So you were the one who was who made the decision, made yeah. it to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Via this uh, decision matrix. <laughs> yeah, a decision matrix is a better word for it than a flowchart. <laughs> One thing I've been very inspired by, um, just like this brief two, three weeks that we've known each other is how like committed to like self-development you are. It seems like basically from an outsider's perspective looking in, like nothing you do is without intention. Um, and that's like incredibly inspiring. And as someone whose day-to-day is full of a lot of things without intention and a lot of things that I think the words I use in this question are like frivolous or pointless. I'm curious, is there anything in your day-to-day life that is frivolous and pointless? Like, do you catch yourself doing, even like intentionally being like, I'm going to do something pointless today. Uh, And I'm not like trying to make you seem like a robot or something (laughs) because you are so like, um, like you wear your emotionality so like vividly. But I am just like so impressed by like your optimization and like your, you have like your nutrition and it's um, it just feels very different from me in that way. Yeah, um, I think it's so interesting that that is the impression you get of me. Um, because yes, my, my schedule here in Oaxaca has been ridiculously full and I can dig more into that. To answer the question directly, I thought about it and I was like, the answer that came immediately to mind was taking photos. I take so many photos that never see the light of day. And, oh shoot, I was actually going to read you this little excerpt, a love story about photography. The context for this was I did like a five weeks work from home, work slash work from anywhere stint in Chicago. Because back in, I think it was February, I negotiated for a job position that would guarantee remote forever. And so basically as soon as I got my second dose of vaccination, I was like, if I don't actually work somewhere else, then what the heck was that negotiation for? So I did five weeks in Chicago and there I met a bunch of creatives. This new friend was just like, why don't we just meet up somewhere that you haven't walked and we'll just walk and talk during this walk. This is my little writing excerpt. I noticed you take a lot of photos. His smile reassured me that he made this observation without any judgment as he waited for me, once again, to snap a picture with my phone. The sensation of guilt beaded on my forehead like droplets of sweat. Guilt that I had inconvenienced him by forcing him to break pace in his walk for the nth time. What do you do with all of them? His question was genuine and full of undeniable warmth, and I brushed the sweat off my hairline. My mind scanned my camera roll from memory. 1. Playful, colorful tiles on the floor at the neighborhood grocery store. 2. Crisp cutouts of delicate foliate freshly imprinted on the concrete sidewalk, casted shadows as directed by harsh, direct afternoon sunlight. 3. A catalog of unidentified plants from nature preserves, local parks, cracks in the sidewalk, etc. 4. More selfies than I'd like to admit I've taken, (laughs) but also plenty with friends. 5. Elaborate meals and simple desserts, both of which I could care less to consume, but I still marvel at the visual appeal and delicacy of the culinary arts. 6. Sublime panoramas of views from my travel adventures. 7. Geometric shapes formed by urban architecture structures that make me smile. 8. Clouds. 9. Sunsets. 10. Sunrises. 11. More clouds. (laughs) Me. 
nothing. I see she eventually laughed and snapped another photo of the storefront we were passing by for good measure. Maybe a younger version of me would have explained my obsession with casual and mundane photography as a way to compensate for my poor memory. Having an inventory of all the places I've been, all the people I've met, and all the food I've eaten is just fun to review from time to time. But the truth is, more often than not, these photos collect digital dust as they sit in pixel data storage somewhere online. The truth is, photography is my form of gratitude. Every capture, however silly or uninteresting they may appear to someone else, is a split-second celebration, a nano-ceremony of this world, my life, that moment in time, and all the history, physics, biology, chemistry, and fiction that made it possible for me to appreciate whatever it is that I'm celebrating. So even though it was the first, and potentially last time, I might meet this new friend, I turn to him and ask, as we're saying farewell, is it alright if we take a selfie? Oh, that was yeah. so good. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's my answer. Here's well, one the, like the revelation that I'm having, which I kind of already was like in you know sitting in my brain with is like, is anything truly pointless or frivolous? Like even as I scroll Instagram for like hours trying to fall asleep, it's like, is this a healthy practice? Maybe not, but is it pointless and frivolous? Like I am procuring something here. Um, and so like maybe this question can and would have always skewed into the direction you just brought it so lovingly with that little excerpt. Like two questions. Did you hang out with him again? Yes, yeah. I did. He had a membership to one of the famous museums in Chicago, which the name escapes me at this moment. But he was like, I can take you to the museum free on my guest pass for this. And so our second hangout was we went to the museum together. And he's a fine artist, so he does watercolor and then interior design. He was actually on episode two of this podcast. Give it so, a listen. Yeah, so arty. But anyway, so it's so different to experience an art exhibition with someone who is actually involved yeah. in this. Well, I, I don't actually have a lot of fine arts um, friends, so that was really interesting. I noticed that personally when I was in the last Wi-Fi Tribe chapter in Florence, and we would do all of these museums. I think it's like a 45-minute mark is like when your brain just like shuts off because you're like, I, I don't know the background and the technique and the history, and like I know these things are important, but like I'm trying to derive it just with like my layman's brain. Um, so I guess like I, I understand that a little bit, which is why it'd be so nice to have like a friendly guide at all yeah, times. Yeah. My second question, you mentioned number like six was um, desserts that you couldn't care less about eating. And that is mind boggling to me as someone who yesterday after finishing my pizza and don't judge me, we're in Mexico, we need like, I need my creature comforts every now and then. I would like, after my pizza, I walked like 20 minutes to go get cheesecake with a few of the people here just cause like, I am such a dessert fiend. And I feel like I don't always appreciate the culinary like aesthetic of it because I'm just ravenous. <laughs> and so are you the opposite? Yes, I am the exact opposite because- Not I, a sweet tooth at all? No, I, so I do have a sweet tooth. I think more so as like a child growing up. And then I kind of like weaned myself off of it. Part of that surrounds like my biohacking and an interest yeah. in like longevity and health. And I just know 
how horrible sugar is for you to the point that I've weaned myself off of fruit because like fruit is healthy there are vitamins but because it is sugar the effects are no different yeah to the point where I'm just like it's not worth it it's not worth it for me no fruits at all yeah that was that was really hard because I used to be addicted to fruits yeah that was my like healthy substitution for like less healthy sweets because I had I had major sweet tooth oh goodness yeah I think it's like very brave to admit that like you're not a foodie just because I feel like we're such like a food obsessed world I feel very similar in a way and I like do not have healthy eating practices but like especially comparative to this like community of people we have here I'm kind of watching people's like cravings bubble up I look at their like google maps full of like their 15 cafe like some of these people have chosen like every place they're going to dine like weeks before they even got here and I'm just like so far from that personally and I think like we're probably the odd ones out in that sense in which like I'm very much like a quantity over quality and like a sustenance over like dining experience but I do feel like through actual travel is when I'm like actually getting to like appreciate it more it's not my inclination either yeah it's definitely not part of my travel style because I know a lot of people's vacation and travel style like a food tour basically yeah. they're like I know which restaurants I want to go to I know like these are the famous dishes of this country and I need to like take that in and I know that food is such an integral part of like cultures and that it is sort of like something that I kind of miss out on I guess I am a little bit resistant to peer pressure I'm like you know yeah. I know I'm not a foodie even though you want me to try this <laughs> like I'll just I'm just gonna pass like I appreciate yeah. that about you because <laughs> as someone who is currently hungover from drinking like eight glasses of wine and watching both Mamma Mia movies and that whole evening is something I didn't want to do. I am so susceptible to peer pressure. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. The reason why I've been able to arrive at a point where I'm so comfortable with myself was that I just forced myself to practice being authentic to myself. So it's very, like, I remember, like, initially trying to be authentic to myself it's so uncomfortable to be like, oh, you all are so excited about this thing, but, like, I just really don't want to waste my time just to fit in. I'm going to make you guys happy, but I'm going to like be like cringing the entire time. Yeah, and I think like so many people sh should understand that feeling. Yeah. But then they get caught up in the peer pressure. One of these cards over here, one of the green ones says something like, when your choices are rooted in your spirit, like your experiences only propel you to what is like meant for you. That's like a mantra that I'm trying to like, especially here in traveling, like, you have so many choices. Like people are going out to dinner here. People are doing this weekend trip. And there's like times where I'm like, oh, I really should do that. And it's like, should you do that? Because do you want to do that? And do you need to do that? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I alluded to this earlier, like what my daily routine here in Oaxaca has looked like. And it is really full and it's been really interesting because I feel like my motivation and my productivity has just skyrocketed because of like the structure that like, was kind of lacking. Um, so my day to day is like I wake up between 5 to 6 a.m. not no alarm, whatever my body. I'm just naturally a morning person. So yeah, like I'm not saying everyone should. I'm just saying that that's just who I am. Um, I am not in that camp. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah and then i because like i have a roommate and she's sleeping and i don't want to like be in the room i just like sneak out to like the rooftop and i do my workout and then i stretch um and basically i'm just killing time but also working out until she wakes up then the morning hours of like when after i make breakfast to like around noon to one is when i do personal project which has been a lot of like the stuff i've been doing for my marketing course lately then i work about like 1 30 to 3 30 then i go to spanish class from 4 to 7 and then evening it's just like whatever like the last few hours allow before i go to sleep and every day is like this except yeah. for the weekends so my days are so packed part of the reason why i didn't go on the <laughs> on the weekend retreat thing was because i had spanish classes saturday 9 to 12 which i had paid for in advance and i was like i'm here for spanish um this does not align with my intention yeah. of being here the second thing too was just like oh my gosh it's gonna be 48 hours of socialization my weekdays are already so packed if i do this on the weekend i'm not gonna be able to go into the next week refresh and you've probably noticed how dead it's been this week like i think like we were literally in a bus careening down like mountain dirt roads for four hours spent like more than 24 hours like together there was no internet there was like we were like in these like huts hiking exhausted hungry then the rickety drive back a total black i was in heaven as like a tr extreme extrovert but i think we've all seen like the last few days nobody's out of their rooms people have been like sleeping a lot longer it was like a truly draining weekend so yeah. <laughs> like if that that is an example of if you were not true to your spirit and you felt the peer pressure to come which there definitely was peer pressure your whole week probably would have been derailed <laughs> <laughs> photos looked incredible though like the waterfalls and stuff i was i was definitely like i'm glad that like it was worth it for everyone yeah yeah it was it was very stunning to be in like a especially me being from colorado and the natural world is so important to me previous two months i was in florence italy and tuscany is stunning but more often than not we're kind of like hunkered down in these tiny little cobblestone streets so to just like be in the wild with no buildings around was truly so special to me. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I am really intrigued by this because the note cards that you've been referring to are related to the memoir that you're trying to write. Yeah. Please share a bit more about this memoir, this project, what inspired it, but also intrigued by what other large-scale projects that you've tried and or are interested in trying. Yeah, and so I feel like we keep on referring to the note card. More context is I am currently in the process of writing a memoir, something I've been wanting to do for like five or so years and I'm taking this self-study course so um, we're both like going through courses out of development and part of the place where I'm at in the course now is to essentially like delineate the chapters and put them put all of the nuggets on note cards and put it on a floor so you can tangibly see your book and so that is currently kind of what we're looking at in a way and like a very weird feeling too to have something previously exist solely in your brain for so long and then to like be able to like kind of see it mapped out. So yeah, the memoir as a whole very much chronologues and I keep on using the word chronologues, but I'm not sure it's a word. <laughs> so we're just going to give me grace for that. Um, it basically describes this 
very intense, you know, six or seven month period of my life where I had just moved abroad. I was living in Sri Lanka at the time, um, going through this, like that breakup that I've already previously talked about, while also kind of spanning the decades before. Um, we talk about like my struggling with my sexuality and what that looked like, as well as now having been about five years past it, like bringing that full picture and that full realization of what those experiences meant into the so again, only about like seven months, but quite a lot um, packed in there. That is the memoir. It is a very exhausting process. Um, I bet you can relate to this. I think so many things that just are like skills and skills require learning and skills require coaching. Writing a book seems like, oh, just like open a Word document, like start writing. And it's like, no, you need to understand like formats and you need to understand what's been done before. And you need to understand like, like not saying it's not possible, but there's like rules and formulas and like best practices and shortcuts that you can do so I'm kind of in a phase in my life where everything that I want to do or want to achieve I start looking outwardly and like well what else can I learn before I like really jump into something some other large-scale projects I've alluded to this in my intro chat with the Wi-Fi tribe I started an undergraduate organization at my college bridging the gap between the international students and the like domestic students what started out as just like a club became quite like a four-year journey and it was my undergraduate thesis and I actually got it franchised onto like the semester at sea ship so it was like kind of a weird moment that like something that I created for my college was being replicated in other university settings and so that was something that was like a huge passion point some things that I'm looking forward to doing is I would love to host like one travel retreats but really like travel writing retreats I had one with uh, my friend Laura we had built this website we had talked about like we're hosting this like kind of travel writing retreat to like get a group of people to go to the mountains for a few days and we booked it completely it was like such a gratifying experience of like oh people are interested in this and people will put money down for something that like you are offering it was supposed to be april of 2020 <laughs> yeah so in a way like it it, it obviously didn't happen um because of the pandemic but I like still look back at it thinking like in a way I feel like I did achieve it. Once I could do it again, I will do it again. The fact that I didn't wasn't able to execute it felt like the very last bit of it. Like it was like the imposter syndrome and then like advertising yourself in this way and then having people like buy into that. That felt like 90% of the work and like just I, I think I would have killed the actual retreat. So in a way, I do feel like I did it. <laughs> the website is live. It's it, still yeah, no, I think it's, I think, I think we've just like hit the toggle to turn it off and then we'll bring it back on at some okay. point. Gotcha. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, how many people were, was this retreat? It was going to be 10 people. 10. So there was, I think there was going to be 13 of us total. So like me, co-host Laura and her husband and her husband was going to do a lot of the cooking for us, which was like such a sweet offer. Um, and then 10 people just because we wanted to keep it like fairly small and like I'm gonna do a plug Priya Parker's book The Art of Gathering is a really incredible book for anyone who like hosts things and like facilitates social interactions um, and she has like recommended group sizes for recommended things um, and so for this we settled on like 10 to keep it like kind of intimate yeah. yeah. Okay. You've got me intrigued. So yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I mean, the book is like truly like one of my Bibles. Um, one of my coworkers and dear friends at my previous job, like, 
she didn't mandate it for all of us to read, but as people who ran accelerator programs that required really complex social interactions, we all read it and became obsessed with it. Okay. Priya Parker is really, really cool. I feel like, so we're now approaching our junior year of the pandemic is a tweet that I saw, which was absolutely horrifying to read. I do think like this year for at least I'll say most of us has probably looked better. Things have opened up or it's the year that after the previous year of sitting inside and like sitting with ourselves and really figuring out what's next, this year has allowed a lot of pivots and transformations. And so my question for you is like, what? about you and about your life has like changed in the last year? Yeah, I think the pandemic definitely helped this because of of the fact that it did liberate me to be able to work remotely. And yeah. part of like working remotely was doing these like short stints within, so I'm from Dallas, Texas, and like I did short stints to like Austin, Texas, and like uh, Chicago was something, something else I mentioned. And being, from Dallas. Dallas is a city where the public transport infrastructure is absolutely horrible. Yeah, so I can you imagine. absolutely yeah, so you absolutely must drive a car. Um, but if you must drive a car and the weather is not very accommodating for being outside in general just because it gets so hot and then like it actually can get really cold too, just because of like the humidity in the air. So like if it's cold and then there's water in the air, it feels even colder. Mm. Which is very interesting. Um, but all of that is to say that I feel like my lifestyle in Dallas is not very conducive to a lot of like physical movement. Having the privilege to experiment with like a five week stay in Chicago where the public transit is just absolutely the phenomenal. Dream. Yeah, like I was walking easy 10, 10k steps a day, like not trying just because like me walking to like the train station, you know, and then into downtown, etc, etc. Even at the pivot of like 2020 to 2021, I did two weeks in Austin. And there's just so many open areas for like hiking and stuff because nature is way better integrated into that city. I walked away from those experiences being like, I need more movement in my life. And so I think really truly the the word of this year 2021 has just been movement that's cool i want to ask you a question about chicago because sure. so our tribe member andrew put this report in slack did you did you get a chance to look at it it was like the state of the nomad oh yeah yeah and it was essentially like these incredibly kind of like illuminating demographic information about like what the composition of nomads around the world. And yeah. I think Chicago is in like one of the most popular nomad cities. I think it was like number four. And I think maybe because we're both American, like Chicago doesn't seem like a nomad city because it's like embedded within our country. Um, but I'm curious, like knowing what you know about being a nomad now, and then like also your experiences in Chicago, like does that make sense? Does Chicago totally feel like a perfect, like number four in the world? Well, that's really interesting. Um, well, I didn't know that when I went there obviously the reason why i picked chicago is because the east and west coast were still sort of crazy and sort semi locked down it yeah. seemed like especially california and being from dallas i'm looking at the at the map like thinking domestically at that yeah. point i was like 
not East Coast, not West Coast, where the heck else do I go? I guess North. I had before that point like been on an extended weekend trip to Chicago. So I've seen a little bit of it, but it was like a, a weekend with the family. So just a lot of yeah. touristy things. Um, but I have heard from people that it's like their favorite weekend getaway. It's like a cleaner version of New York. There's so much variety, blah, 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 blah. And having lived, quote unquote, lived there for five weeks, I can see why there is like a huge international pull because of like the schools there yeah like the creatives I mentioned I was meeting up with like one of them was in from India like in their grad like just graduating um, from I think some like data science program so I think just the concentration of schools in that area is like pulling international people in um, it itself mimicking New York has a huge diversity in like ethnicity and within the conversations I had with people that I met up with they were like yeah I wanted a city where I didn't need a car yeah so yeah very cool I've never been to Chicago really did I just sell it to you I mean I want I've wanted to go for so long and it it, it has um, so many of like my kind of acquaintances that I've met over the years have like either lived there or like are there and I met them like during like a long weekend in Denver or something and I just I just get really good feelings from that city like I think it's like I think it's a place I will enjoy you need to go. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I would be so curious to know what is the most thoughtful gift you've received and what is the most thoughtful gift you've ever given? I truly adore this question. I am talking about this breakup so much more often than I <laughs> usually do or like I've truly like we we're healed from it. Like yeah. it's not it's not personally a big deal but the best gift I've ever received is from that ex Uh Um, and it's something that I still keep not with me on like my travels and stuff but essentially this like red notebook that he turned us into comic book characters like so he drew he drew it um and he like he I think he's like a talented artist but he's not like like, it's, it's fairly crude in a way, um, but, like, the effort, my goodness. And so there's probably, like, I want to say 12 to, like, 13 very well-done, like, comic panels of, like, our journey together, like, our highlights, um, us, like, being superheroes is it, just like was the most wonderful thing I've ever received and in like kind of like a symbolic sad way it's not done the intention was like oh this will be like something we can like continue to fill out and it's like a third filled notebook let's say so it is my favorite gift and like a fun little like symbolism of like oh this was you know a first love that like ended as all first loves do in a way um but I, I just adore that little nugget. And it's interesting because one of the best gifts I've ever given was this like scrapbook that I've made for him. Um, and it was just like a very cutesy, like um, <laughs> Hobby Lobby, Michaels type of <laughs> scrapbook, but obviously very intentional with like a lot of handwritten notes. And as we were like breaking up, there was this like moment where we were both like, I won't throw away the comic book thing <laughs> if you don't throw away the scrapbook. And I still don't know if he has it or not. Um, I think I would completely understand getting rid of it. But as someone who's been able to like detach the challenge from my object, I like, I still love of that little comic that yeah. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I understand that so deeply because I think of like friendship breakups I've yeah. had of very important people in my life. Like these people have influenced my life to a degree where I'm not sure I would be who I am today if it weren't for them. I have gifts from these people that I keep because I actually think back to these people very fondly. Yeah. Dis- despite the fact that like we're no longer friends or anything, um, and I'm not sure if I would be willing to like reinitiate a friendship with them. Yeah. I cannot deny that I love these people. Do you have an example of what one of those little things Gifts might be? Were? I became very interested in personal development through um, one of the two friends that I'm like referring to here and she it was because she herself was very invested in her own personal development so she had like lots of she was reading a lot and then also journaling a lot and I was introduced to journaling because of her oh, because cool. I think she was trying to do a lot of like self-healing of trauma from childhood me observing we had like these like weekly calls and then whenever we did touch points like and me hearing like what she's accomplished within the last week in terms of like the self-therapy that she was doing through her journal and her reading and exercises that she was to get taking from her books I was so inspired I was like don't know why it's working you know like I'm, I'm yeah, like just yeah. observing her but I need to try this I don't think when I started I had any specific trauma that I was like thinking of but I was like it's incredible that like you're making progress on this thing that seems very challenging and difficult and so like I wonder what it would do for me even with someone who did not necessarily have these traumas yeah so like that's what got me into journaling and she has gifted me some of her favorite books that she had read that like they were like all secondhand she was like these books changed me and like i just thought maybe you could get some value out of them i feel like these are like very very touching gifts where it's just they like are. i keep these memories close to me i still have the books but i am also kind of considering like paying it forward and like passing yeah. the books on to someone else too not because i no longer value them but yeah, because I've gotten my value out of them. Do you know Anne oh, yeah, yeah. Her methodology of like sometimes you do just get your value out of people and then you need you move on. And not that like people are like you need to extract value for them to like make it work. Um, I have truly so many friendships that are like seemingly frivolous in a way where um, <laughs> like we've been friends too long to like not be friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, it, it, I do feel like actually in this new lifestyle we're both in, where like we'll go home for periods of times, we're like embarking remotely. Sometimes you're with people for like 30 days and those 30 days are incredible and wonderful and like you derive so much value and then like sometimes that's it. Yeah. Um, I actually remember one of the women I lived with in Sri Lanka when we were like saying goodbye and this is actually the kind of harkens back to what you were talking about earlier with like the goodbye of this chapter it does feel very like half-hearted i will say because a lot of people are like i'm sure i'll see you again or i'm not gonna say goodbye because i don't do goodbyes or like there is no like last like we're all together take a photo like everybody hug it out people just like kind of pitter-patter away yeah and it's true you will see some of them again some people you won't um but like this one yogi who I lived with was such like a believer in like impermanence and non-attachment and I just like wanted her to like give me a hug and And she was like like I was just like just like tell me we're gonna be friends forever and we're gonna see each other again and she was like no because that's probably not gonna happen and she's like I've been living this way for like 10 years and I know how this world works and she's like I've adored our time together you're one of my favorite people I've ever lived with will I see you again probably not see ya and I was like (gasps) 
left. She was 100% right. It's been like half a decade and I haven't seen her. And like, we'll send each other a nice message on Instagram every now and then. But um, in a way, I was like, oh, she was right. And like impermanence and non-attachment is maybe somewhat healthy for people who hop around a lot. This is one of my most challenging writing prompts. And so I feel bad almost like making you do it on the fly verbally. But instead of like a letter to your future self, this is something that I did last year that like I try to read once a month just to like keep it front and center is imagine you are yourself five years from now writing a letter to you. So like it's 2026. What are some of the things, let's say like three, that you would include in that letter? Yeah, so I actually did think about this. Did you actually write it? Uh, no, not. I did write a letter. Um, but the reason why we swap questions before is so that we we never get stuck. So that's yes. not like you spoiler know, alert. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to think about things that would be sort of timeless. That like things that I would tell myself five years ago. So kind yeah. of like twisting it because I can't really imagine who I will be in five years just because I have such a huge propensity towards change that I can't even imagine who I will be in three months. Yeah. Honestly. But things that I think would be sort of timeless to tell anyone, including myself now from future me. One, keep exploring because you don't know how the dots will connect in retrospect. Two, baby steps. Change doesn't come overnight, so set systems instead of goals. Love that. Three, you're not thinking creatively enough or dreaming big enough. As the type of person that I am, I feel like that last one like hits home to me like really hard because for example, part of why I think about this is because I'm very entrepreneurial, so I like follow a lot of entrepreneurial resources yeah and part of the thing exercises that entrepreneurs do is just ask crazy questions of themselves so that you can it's it's a practice of creativity essentially like to think outside the box to solve problems differently and i remember i was listening to this podcast on the tim ferris show are you familiar yeah Yeah. i went to business school (laughs) i know who tim ferris is (laughs) um with ramit sadie and they were talking about finances and and ramit i think has now has like a podcast um where he essentially consults people live about their money problems or whatever ramit was asking questions that I feel like anyone in the personal development or journaling community would be pretty familiar with, which is like if your life was completely taken care of in terms of like emotional, yeah. social, financial, blah blah blah, like what would you do? What would you what what would be your dreams, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And you kind of set these goals. They could be like, I wanna have the most extravagant wedding in Alaska and I will be able to pay for all of my guests. You're fantasizing but also manifesting, like hopefully yeah, manifesting. And then there were also, within the same episode, Ramit was saying things like, you know, happiness also typically comes from eliminating things that make you annoyed or upset. Like, you get more happiness out of solving these problems than necessarily getting more things. Or something that he puts in his, like, rich life is that he hates traveling with his luggage. So in his rich life, he would just always mail his luggage. I heard that. I was like, man, I would never think to do that. Just because, like... (laughs) So specific, but truly, luggage sucks. And I'm like, man, I just must not be creative enough. Because, like, (laughs) that never has 
occurred to me as like a potential thing that anyone could do. I always want to challenge myself, like what am I missing? Like what yeah. have I not considered? And that's why I love meeting and talking with strangers and friends because you hold information that my mind has not even accessed. Yeah. We just need to ask the right questions, dive deep enough so that you can tell me something I've never even considered before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love that. So one more time. It's one, keep exploring because you don't know how the dots will connect in reverse. Two, baby steps. Change doesn't come overnight, so set systems instead of goals. Three, you're not thinking creatively or dreaming big enough. Oof, it's so good. The third one felt harsh when you first read it, and then when you explained it, I was like, oh, I totally see what you're saying. But I, when I first heard it, I was like, no, be, be nice to your younger <laughs> self always. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I very much hear what you're saying. And like in that vein and kind of what you were just discussing, I can't remember who I saw this. And sometimes like this feels so LinkedIn post to me. So like, I feel like I, I hate that I'm even referencing this, but I saw some quote from like Bill Gates that was like, we all under, we all overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in 10 years. It totally makes sense that yourself five years from now is telling yourself like, think bigger, be more creative, like give yourself like complete free reign. But I just wanted to take this moment to like affirm you at this age and this time that like you are so incredibly creative and like I'm very inspired by like your creativity and your like propensity to just do it. Um, so I'm not going to refute your older self telling you that. I'm sure it is part of the reason why you are so powerful right now. Oh. <laughs> honestly um i mean right back at you like i think the the lifestyle that you're living is very interesting the projects that you're pursuing is very interesting and the things that you think about one that comes straight to the top of my mind which is like community building which yeah. is what you're doing through this like wi-fi tribe gig is very inspiring oh so, thank you it's something i truly love i am in a a season of my life where i feel like one financially very lucky to have saved a lot of money because like this isn't financially viable in the long run for me personally but like for this season of time let's say a year we're gonna give it a shot and just hang out with cool fucking people all the time <laughs> i love it okay so i'm not gonna let you off the hook because i need to ask you the key question <gasps> the key <laughs> question yes the key question um how do you define a stranger and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one this is tough and i like truly spent like little time just thinking about this because it feels like my friend is a country counter which is something i was like very annoyed by and what i mean by this is they like count the countries they've been to oh, okay. which feels like it's not the purpose of traveling to me um because i'm just like no it's if you like drive through slovenia did you go like did you see slovenia so like it feels kind of arbitrary in a way but he actually has this like methodology of it of like I need to have spent a night I need to have eaten at like a local eatery and I need to have had a meaningful interaction with a stranger and so when I was thinking like okay well what does a meaningful interaction mean and to me it is like sometimes small talk can be meaningful and a example of this is on my last few days in Florence I realized that like I don't buy gifts for myself I write postcards for other people I write to me a lot but I'm like there's, there's nothing really like material that like I give or grant myself and something I did is I went to this like very niche perfumery and like kind of got like a bespoke scent 
um, which is funny because like I don't wear colognes or perfumes often, but it just felt like such like a like a fun, unique experience. And the woman there, the interactions I was having with her, like yes, she is working at this like upscale perfumery and it's her job to be like accommodating but I just immediately felt like weirdly connected with her but more so her colleague who is from like Guadalajara who found out I was going to Oaxaca and this colleague despite our interactions being like 30 seconds long she was like you let me know if you need anything I can get my family in like Oaxaca in a second and like this, this woman who was just like truly like who are you? What are you doing? Oh, you're going to Mexico? Let me know. My family's there. Here's my card if, like, you have any questions or anything. Wait, do you still have this person's contact? I still have this person's contact. Because I'm about to go to Guadalajara. So, anyway. Sorry. See, this is, this, is, this is the example and the magic of, like, what strangers can be. And so, how do I define it? I would say my gut reaction was, like, anything that's not small talk. And then I was like, you know what? Like, it can be small talk. But anything that is like interpersonal interaction that is done with intentionality, authenticity, it could be like a quick high or like a glance on a street, but there is something that like you can see someone's true self is like really trying to connect with you in a way. And that to me is what starts tilting the barometer from like stranger to something else. I find that really interesting because I think in episode one with my husband, we were debating whether a high, like just yeah. literally the passing and saying of a high, um, is enough to push someone over and in that in that episode I argued that no like a high is not enough because you haven't really given me any information of yourself and my husband was arguing well they've given you information about their voice they've, they've given <laughs> <laughs> information that they're, they're approachable because they're like they're giving you their voice and like a second of their time and stuff and I was like Okay, but like, what's very interesting about your response um, that I really like is the authenticity. Because with that in mind, I'm like, okay, maybe, yeah, like maybe yeah. all you need is a hello. But if the, if the intentionality behind that is like an eagerness just to like make your day brighter or something like that, you know, yeah. then maybe that is enough. Here's literally two fictitious scenarios that have bubbled in my brain as we're discussing this that I want to hear your thoughts on. Because yeah. I want to say, like, I do agree with you for the most part. Like, Hyde feels like it's, like, more likely than not, not going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. But let's say you're, like, at the grocery store, you're in the checkout line, you're clearly having, like, a horrible day. Maybe you're on the verge of tears or whatever. And like the cashier can like sense this out of you. And just like through how the cashier interacts with you, you know when you can tell that like someone has like seen something in you and they're like recognizing that like either you're going through it or you're having a day or like maybe you're like on cloud nine, that like they can like modify their like very mundane interactions to like kind of guide you. I think like in like Twitter culture, they always talk about like, and I know this is a stereotype, the black woman in a diner who calls you honey. Like they're and like how people like crave that. Like they just want to be like like kind of like seen and like um 
loved on in a little yeah. bit. And then like another one is like, let's say two women are at a bar and like a guy is like very clearly annoying one of the women. Like just through a glance, these two people can like kind of communicate in full sentences like what is going on. And that's before anything even verbal is happening. So there does feel like there can't be like hard rules. I would say that like in the first scenario, the grocery clerk trying to make your day better or whatever. Because yeah. They can tell or they can sense that you're on the verge of tears. Like, I would be so touched. I think what it is is that this person has extreme empathy. Yeah. That they can sense this. The second scenario, are you saying that I am observing a woman and a man? It's like not a good situation and I make eye contact with a woman and like I'm like, I see that this man is bothering you type. Is that like what's happening? Yeah, I like, I've been so kind of inspired by the female experience especially in like the 21st century in which like women have to be able to communicate with one another in full sentences just through like glances um and like for the most part like women are usually capable of being like i see this guy's annoying you just so you know like you can come to me and i will fake being your best friend if you come here so that we can like avoid him just by like a glance and yeah. i feel like like so many women have had these experiences where you do have unfortunately have to like rely on like the sisterhood and the girl code of like protecting one another even innocuously or like in drastic situations yeah yeah i was gonna say i think anything with the act of solidarity yeah and i guess yeah maybe it doesn't need to be verbal like you never need to know more about this person because i keep like referencing episode two and already but he brought something so interesting to the conversation which is that these terms and labels of like friends, acquaintance, strangers, etc. does not at all denote the connectedness they could feel to someone. Yeah, like the parasocial oh, relationships. Yeah. Like there's yes. definitely like some podcasters that I listen to that I'm like, these are like some of my best friends <laughs> and they don't know I exist and I think that's okay. Like my takeaway is like, and so this is the point of this is like, I, I feel like I didn't really have like a clear answer until discussing this with you. And I do think that like, any any flickers of empathy feels like what starts moving the needle. Maybe not all the way from like stranger to acquaintance to friend or any of those other words in the middle, but like even a nonverbal or like a quick hello, if there's like a flicker or a, like a morsel of empathy or connectedness, then that's what gets things moving. Yeah, I think I would have to agree. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time. I have loved this conversation. Oh, well, I love all of our conversations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do appreciate like having just like such intentional one-on-one -on -one time because, I mean, truthfully, we just kind of see each other in the kitchen a lot, and as with all of our interactions with all the other people here. So yeah. I appreciate you building this time and letting you know other people kind of peer in too. Yeah, and I think my favorite part of this experience is that it's so intentional because you have to like prepare by like coming up with these questions and the questions are like interesting and yeah. stuff and that's like my favorite part about like, yeah. this I know it would be weird if I like approached you in the kitchen and I was like, what three things do you think we have in common? <laughs> and you're like, I'm cooking, chill. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna call it here.
And before I forget, I mentioned something, something about an extension to the podcast project involving handwritten notes. I have always wanted to facilitate a pen pal community of some sort, so I'm in the middle of manifesting it. The differentiator between this pen pal community and others out there is that you'll receive a monthly postcard designed by me with a thought-provoking prompt inspired by one of the episodes on this podcast. In this way, it's not a huge time commitment because the postcard will limit the amount you write, although you are certainly more than welcome to write more if you'd like, and the nature of the project will naturally vet for and connect you with people who you already know are into interesting conversation topics because they're into this podcast. And this is just a work in progress, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Speaking of which, feedback, comments, and discussion are always welcomed in the community. Feel free to shoot a DM or leave a public comment and start a thread at Don't Be Strangers on Instagram. As anyone of any background can apply to come on to co-host an app, this is my invitation you to consider applying. Or if you know anyone who appreciates deep conversations and love making friends, you should consider nominating them to come on the show. Thank you again, Joe, for making my experience in Oaxaca so absolutely memorable, and I'm excited to see you again in Playa del Carmen. If you'd like to get in touch with him to discuss more about journaling best practices or dig a bit into any of the topics we touch, you can find his contact information linked in the show notes or on Instagram at Savage Centini. If you want a personal introduction, remember that you can always just reach out and don't be a stranger. Let's talk again soon.